0: Our program will explore the concepts and ideas behind Direct Connect Coaching by introducing guests who are using or are aligned with this program and have used the ideas to transform their lives. It is our sincere hope that you can use this inspiration to do the same. Now, here is Fee Mazanke.
1: Welcome to the show and a very Merry Christmas to those of you around the globe who celebrate Christmas or Happy Kwanzaa to those who celebrate Christmas. Uh, Kwanzaa. So what a beautiful time of year it is. It is really the darkest time of of the year in the northern hemisphere. But it's such a wonderful reminder for all of us to continue to focus on the light within to be able to bring your light into the world. And I make it a point when I see the twinkling lights that are so prevalent at this time of year to bring that light of my own thoughts to my world so that that light can be reflected to others. So I want to encourage all of you listening to do the same and kind of practice that as your Christmas gift to the world. And for our longtime listeners, you know that the boomerang effect is how we begin each show. And the boomerang effect is that what you put out in the world is equivalent to what you get back. And it's important for you to ask yourself if you're coming from love or fear in your life. And one such area that I wish to bring attention to all of you today is your sleep habits. And you probably chuckle a little bit when I say that because I know this time of year gives everyone the opportunity um, to... Go out, celebrate, have some parties, but it's also an opportunity to create balance in our lives as the days and nights yesterday, the days equaled the night time again here in the Northern Hemisphere. And um, an important element of that balance that we create in our lives is with our sleep. And I was reminded of this this morning when I read an article about the regeneration process that occurs during our sleep. Things like our liver restores itself, our muscle cells rebuild, and a host of other important cellular renewal happens during our sleep. So often, because of the parties and the gatherings uh, that are out there, they keep us awake at night. It um, it does throw off a little bit of this balance that we uh, talk about. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna throw out a boomerang to yourself and your ability to perhaps say no or to be very selective to the parties that you attend and um, and also look at what you're putting on your plate if it's too much for you and just check in with yourself to see. For uh, You're in need of renewal. We all are in need of renewal. That's what this time of year holds. To begin 2016 fresh and rejuvenated. So that you can make your dreams, both when you're awake and when you're asleep, come true. So be loving to yourself and get some great sleep over the holidays. Now, my guest has a really fascinating story to share with you and is really passionate about impacting global leadership. And also the habits uh, that are there to, to make a worldwide difference in terms of leadership. Trent Schumann is a sought-after transformational facilitator, trainer, and consultant. And since 1988, he's been helping organizations achieve transformative results by developing leaders, leveraging change, cultivating teams, and engaging employees and stakeholders. Early in his career in information technology, Trent discovered that he would rather work on the system than in the system, which is, I, I love that, Trent. I love that uh, that little play on words. And so he formed his own company to help forward-thinking organizations and in- individuals create exceptional results through principled actions. And since then, he's had the honor to help hundreds of leading organizations brilliant leaders, and dedicated stakeholders around the world. These range from Fortune 50 companies that define the global business environment to small, non-governmental organizations that are doing their part to change the world. And Trent is an avid traveler. He's got some really amazing stories about his travels. He's a photographer, an adventurer and quite the motorcyclist and motorcycle enthusiast. So he really enjoys immersing himself in the diverse cultures of the world. And what a wonderful topic to speak about at this time of year where, you know, we really focus on bringing peace to the world and bringing change to the world so that we can make. An impact uh, on the leadership of this world, and also to bring those elements and qualities—not you know—not just to our own communities, but worldwide. So, thank you so much for being with us today, Trent. We really appreciate that you're you're joining us today.
2: Well, I'm honored to be part of it.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Now, Trent, you've been in the business of impactful leadership for quite some time now. So, can you please share? Your mission, your passions, and your vision, because I think this is all really fascinating for our listeners to learn about and to grow from uh, surrounding your approach to leadership.
2: Wow, my mission and my passion and my vision, right? That's, I should know this because that's what I help organizations also figure out for themselves, right? <laughs> yes, you do, you, and you do a great job so, uh, at it. My my vision is is for a for a world where where uh, organizations really do do good by doing well, and um, and so when they're when they're out there in their businesses, you know, producing their products and making their money that. They, they have a positive impact on the world in, in every aspect. Um, and my, my mission is, is to help organizations become healthy that way, to, you know, become wonderful workplaces, to be doing good things for their investors, their stakeholders, and, and their clients and their employees all at the same time. Um, and,
0: uh, you know, my, my
2: passion comes from... Um, I guess it comes from the, the, the place where I was when I was working for a large organization and was just another uh, a cog in the system, so to speak, and how, how miserable I felt in that position. And then realizing that there's so many people out there um, for whom that's also the same experience and how terrible it is to be living your life when you're, you know, when you're at work eight hours a day and, and in misery at that <laughs> during those eight hours,
0: it sure.
2: uh, you know there's there's a there's a lot of people that feel that way and and, and don't see an alternative and and uh, you know as much as I can do to help organizations become beautiful places to work and, and you know places where people go and they're they're happy to be there and feel like they're contributing something really significant that uh, that's my passion yeah.
1: Yeah. And so, my question then about that, Trent, specifically is if we can dial in a little bit more specifically, is when you go into an organization where you see, uh, you know, some ch- opportunities for change or employees that may not be as engaged or may not be as happy, can you speak to how, on a large scale, uh, you work with the organization to really make changes, and then also how that, I, I would imagine the relationship building between the leaders of the organization filters down to the people within the organization.
2: Yeah, that there's actually, there's there's two ways that happens, and, and and most, you know, most people say you have to go from the top down, and I think that's also the the most effective way, but I've also seen it happen where uh, a really well-functioning, inspirational team within an organization can create the, the example for other teams to follow to start creating a movement from the bottom up. Um, but, that, but that's pretty rare. It takes a pretty special leader in, in that little bubble to do that. Uh, but in general, it works best from the top down. And I think what's really important is, is for leaders, to truly become authentically themselves. Um, Many people get into the leadership position following what they believe is the model of a good leader. So, you know, something that looks like something out of Mad Men or if you go on to a a stock photography site and you you type in CEO, you you get the similar-looking, you know, 50-some-year-old white male with graying hair at the temples that looks like... You know, he should be leading troops into battle or something like that. And, and, and so people try to hew to that image and, and forget who they really are and they become inauthentic. And I think the main, one of the main things I've seen is for leaders to become more authentically themselves and, and more human. And that is what really starts turning a, a culture around. Um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of, Um, processes and techniques and so on, but to my way of thinking, those are the second step. First, you have to change the the hearts and the minds of the folks that are actually in the leadership position and and have them become more authentic in, in their roles.
1: And I couldn't agree with you more, Trent, on about that and around leadership. And and one of the things that I work with with people in my individual coaching practice is the idea of being vulnerable, um, Mm -hmm. so that they they can reach a new level of authenticity. And that's sometimes a really scary uh, approach to take is is being vulnerable because it can be perceived as Weakness rather mm-hmm. than strength. Mm-hmm. and and um and I even got a text from a former client of mine who's actually speaking to her CEO about coaching with me because she said she sees the need for him to be more vulnerable. And mm-hmm. so when you when you uh, when you work with organizations and leaders in the organizations to become more authentic, in their leadership role, how do you bridge the gap with that kind of vulnerability um, anticipation that they may have? <laughs>
2: well, it's not easy, let me tell you. And you probably have this experience as well. It's that you know they they've created this this wall of invulnerability and protection around them. Um, what happens is people people get promoted, and you know a lot of folks I work with are engineers. And they got into engineering because they liked the things and the processes and the equations, and then they reach a point in their career where they have to jump to management and and dealing with people and and people are unpredictable, they don't have a mean time between failure, they don't have a normal service schedule, all of these things that that are common in the engineering world, and now you're dealing with all of these these entities that that have problems that have nothing to do with the work they're doing and and so, oftentimes people are uncomfortable with that situation, so they hide behind HR processes and and terminology and and uh, you know political correctness and, and lose the authenticity, and the, and they become the person that they themselves loathed when they were working for somebody. And, yeah, uh, it's,
1: that's the truth. I know. It, yeah.
2: Yeah, and so and so because they they feel that they're not. Skilled or qualified to to deal with all of those crazy human things that come up when you're a manager they they build themselves a a wall of processes and procedures and and they they retreat into an inauthentic place where now they become the kind of the caricature of a manager and you know the like the like Dilbert's boss right
1: <laughs> exactly sure, yeah. <laughs>
2: And so, uh, and so they they've done this to to protect themselves because they they don't feel like they have the skills or the, the ability or the emotional fortitude to and to deal with some of these situations that come up. And so that that barrier is pretty strong, and and it needs to be worked with fairly gently, and and you know with small examples and small wins and, uh, de- dealing with the easy things first. Um, it's, it's just, uh, you know, that vulnerability, it's different for every person. I was, uh, just had a coaching call with a client, uh, recently where, you know, we spent, uh, an hour and three quarters on the coaching call. And then suddenly we hit the, we hit the nerve. That was the, the crux of the issue and, and all the emotions started pouring out. And, and, uh, you know, it was, uh, Every, everything we said before that was really just window dressing to get to that point. And, and once they realized that this was the, the, the true issue, they were able to deal with it. And, and it's the same when you're, when you're working with a manager that's dealing with employees. They, they also need to get to that point of authenticity where they're dealing with the real issues and not dealing with HR terminology and sort of window dressing around it
1: and i I've had some wonderful experiences where uh, just practicing that vulnerability with people and 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 just getting them out of their comfort zone has led to a tremendously wonderful um, ex- not only experience but just transformation for. Uh, leaders, I just had had someone that uh, did a a speak uh, speaking engagement to a small group and practiced it and just did beautifully. And I've seen it over and over and over. each time I've seen people be vulnerable. There's been just huge rewards as a result because it creates this idea and concept of this person is an authentic leader, which I love. I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you um,
2: mentioned but, about the you know the international work that I've been involved with, and, and yes, we this this uh, authenticity I think might be a bit of a you know a Western or North American luxury in some ways when you when you deal with uh, more hierarchical cultures and and cultures with a larger power distance. If you look at sort of Hofstede's um, uh, theory on power distance in different cultures. Cultures with a long, uh, a, a, a longer power distance between the lower and the higher echelons in the organization, let's say like Southeast Asia, the, if you if you show vulnerability in in the sense that we think of vulnerability, your your employees stand a good chance of actually losing confidence in you because they they want someone as a leader that's more like the, the great helmsman, you know, like Mao was in the in the communist Chinese days. The 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 unflappable person at, at the wheel of the ship that knows all the right answers and and as soon as you find out the person isn't infallible it it, it creates a lot of angst in the organization. So what might what we might look as you know as a nice ideal of vulnerability needs to be dialed back a fair bit in some other cultures.
1: And that's what I really enjoy about your knowledge and your experience, Trent, is that you've got this incredi- incredible um, global uh, experience where you've been out into um, a, a number of countries and you've been able to kind of tap into... Ex, you know what real what leadership and what true leadership means, um, with these in different societies because of mm-hmm. of course you have to adjust and adapt, and um, that's something that I I know you're really good at because of your global travel um, that you've you've had, and so you uh, you know you've had some really wonderful global travel experiences, both for the purpose of, um. For the purpose of work, but also for pleasure purposes too. And what I want to do is, we're we're going to take a quick break. But when we get back, I want to talk about some of those wonderful global experiences that you've had and what you've gained, you know, about the the impact on global leadership and what it really means to you and and so i'm going to tap your brain a little bit when we get back so stay tuned because we're going to be talking about that so we'll be right back thanks for listening we're on facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world and that includes you visit us on facebook at voice america empowerment
0: Fee works with individuals and delivers keynote messages that are inspiring and uplifting. Experience what Fee has to offer at directconnectcoaching.com.
1: Social media is important to your business, but you might not know how to do it right. Doing social media yourself can be a challenge. I have discovered a company that gets it done for you. They post seven times a week to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Google Plus, and they can monitor reviews on over 45 sites at a price any business can afford. Get more information at GetSocialWithFee.com and get your free analysis to determine your company's social media effectiveness. Visit GetSocialWithFee, that's F I, dot com, and find out more today because doing it wrong is worse than not doing it at all. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: You are tuned in to Direct Connect Empowerment. To reach Fee Mazanke or her guest on the program today, please call one 346 9141 That's one 346 9141 Now back to Direct Connect Empowerment.
1: And we're back speaking with Trent Schumann, talking about impacting global leadership. And I, I promised the listeners that we would talk about some of your Global destinations, Trent, and what you have learned from this extensive travel resume uh, from all the wonderful places that you have gotten a chance to see in your lifetime. Okay,
2: wow. Well, that—that's that, uh, you better be careful what you wish for, right? Because uh, you know the person that always wants to tell you about their travel stories, and pretty soon your eyes glaze over. So. Um, you know, it's it, it's uh it's a pleasure for me to talk about my travel stories, but the moment they start getting boring, just let me know, right?
1: <laughs> I will do that, Trent. I promise. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> so where should I start? Uh, we we talked about a couple destinations I've been to in our pre-talk.
1: Yes, and and I what I thought was really wonderful, uh, and I'll kind of. I'll kind of tie into a secondary question with this, which was the the stereotypes that you've been able to oh, kind yeah. of break through because of your global travels. And and one wonderful one that you shared was um, your your teaching at the university in Iran. And so mm-hmm. if you, yeah. that yeah. one was a really fun one for me to hear about.
2: And so yeah, that was a that was a great opportunity that came my way. Um, as I was uh, leading a middle management uh, training session. And one of, the, one of the people who had organized, it was also a professor at the university that was running an international program in concert with uh, the University of Calgary in Iran at Sharif University, which is one of the, strangely enough, one of the top undergrad tech universities in, in the world. Um, if you look at people that are at MIT and Harvard, and Stanford at some, in some of the technical streams there you'll notice that there's an inordinate number of them from that particular university so um, there was actually an article in Time Magazine about it a few years ago where they were marveling at where all of these bright undergrads were coming from so um, so in any case I was asked to uh, to do a, a one month teaching stint at the university in, in Tehran on team dynamics for project leaders which was part of a Masters of Engineering and Project Management uh, course they were teaching there. And uh, so I had 70 students. And, you know, having seen all of the, the, the tripe that you see on television and cable news about, you know, uh, the, the evil Iranians and, you know, one of the, the, the legs of the axis of evil and all of that, you just, you, you kind of wonder what you're going to end up seeing there. And, at least I did, and, and having traveled to enough places in the world in the past where the reality had nothing to do with what was being portrayed in the media, I I had some idea that it wasn't going to be, you know, as terrible or whatever as the as the media might might uh, portray, and, and but you know still when I got there I still had a bit of that playing in the back of my head, but you know it it turned out amazingly well, and the the people are. More friendly than I could have imagined. And what I also found amazing was that in this master's level engineering program, it was more than one third women, which, uh, which when you think about all of the normal stuff you'd hear about Iran, you would never suspect that. And I would, uh, you know, I'd, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a master's level engineering program in North America that's one third women. And so that, sure. was, that was one of the first aha moments, going, oh, hmm, things aren't quite as the media portrays it. Uh, you know, you, you, you always see all these images on the media, and there's, there's this image in my mind, you know, in one way, knowing that this is a well-developed country, and in another way, seeing all these images of mud huts in the desert, and, you know, people with flapping blankets and doorways, <laughs> stuff like that, and... When you get to Tehran, the airport is magnificent. Um, the city is, I believe it's 13 million or 14 million people. It's a beautiful city. It's built on the side of a mountain. Um, there's an amazing subway system. One of the stations stops within a couple hundred yards of the bottom of a ski lift, so you can actually go skiing from from the city. And it is absolutely beautiful. There's a huge volcano nearby with glaciers on top. Um, and uh, the people are outstandingly friendly. Um, and uh, the, the hospitality is amazing. It never felt in danger for a moment. Um, and, uh, it, you know, completely different from, from what you would expect. Uh, most people have satellite dishes on the roofs where they they listen to Western broadcasts. Um, most of, um, Iran's most popular television shows are actually produced in Orange County. Um, there's a whole, uh, huge Persian community in, in Orange County and they produce, uh, there, there's a uh, production studios there for Iranian soap operas, you know, Persian, uh, you know, Persian is the language or, or, or Farsi, they the Persian culture there. And, uh, and a lot of the a lot of that stuff comes from there. So they all watch that in Iran. They get they get BBC World, they get CNN, they get all of these uh, Western channels. They're they're probably more well versed and more, have a more balanced perspective of world affairs than than most of us in North America do. Um, you know, they're, they're they're a small country. That's you know, it's not, uh, I guess not small geographically, but from a power perspective, they're not a big country, so they, they need to be aware of what's happening in the world, whereas we in North America are, you know, we're, we're in a big homogeneous landmass where we don't have to worry about too much about what's going around around us, so we can, be, we can have the luxury of being pretty in, inward-looking. So, yeah, quite, quite amazing that way.
1: And it's so fascinating, Trent, to know and understand that what you experienced over there, and you were over there for a month teaching uh, in this class, mm-hmm. and what what you experienced there is so, that it's completely the opposite of what is portrayed. And so as a result of that, if we are speaking to people out there who are looking to make a difference, looking to make an impact in changing the stereotypes typical mindset uh, that that exists in the world about some of these countries what what do you suggest I mean this that was just very eye-opening to me when I first heard you speak about your experience over there and how beautiful uh, the country was because I have never been there obviously so um, and and what do you suggest that we do and share with people so that they know that the typical media portrayal that they are seeing is not really the truth.
2: Wow. That's a tough one because, I mean, uh, the, the media is very, very adept at, at providing stuff which keeps people glued to the screen. And, sure. and if you can convince people of a certain point of view, then you've got them hooked. And if you keep, if you keep providing material which continually enhances that point of view... They become even more and more your fans. It's like it's like uh, becoming part of a cult in some ways, where you once you once you buy into the original premise, everything else makes sense, and you don't question it after that. And even information that contradicts it uh, somehow gets ignored um, because sure. it doesn't fit the model. So. And, and, and Facebook's a culprit with this, too, of social media, is because we can, we can find ourselves in an echo chamber, you know, whether we're left-wing or right-wing, pro-this, anti-that, whatever, whatever our political or values-based viewpoints are, we can find an echo chamber wherever we want to now that, that completely supports that, and we lose sight that we might be in a tiny minority of the world that thinks that way, but in our mind, we... Everybody thinks that way because everyone who, who we surround ourselves with has that same viewpoint. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I think the, the, the biggest the biggest way to change is travel, and uh, and get out there and truly connect with people. Um, you know, once if if that's not an option for you, find the communities in your own region. I mean, thankfully in North America, we're lucky enough to have um, communities uh, of immigrants. Uh, from all over the world that are living amongst us and take a moment spend some time at a mosque or a Sikh temple or a, or a, a Buddhist congregation or you know go, go hang out with, with the Caribbeans when they're having a carnival celebration or whatever it happens to be expose yourself to that and, and destroy that sense of otherness that we sometimes develop when something unfamiliar is within our midst uh, it, it's it's incredible how we truly do share a common humanity
1: it, it it really is and it does it brings the world together and and it makes the world a much smaller place based on what you have seen and witnessed in the world um what in what i would call there's there the separation isn't there and so when you look at some of the and it's some of the new stories that come across, you have to understand or have a greater sense of awareness that oftentimes this is sensationalism to get you, it's a selling of a viewpoint as opposed to really what you're saying. And, and this is why I was so intrigued by having you share your story with our listeners so that people can across the world can know and understand that we do have to question everything. And we have to question what we're seeing, and and question um, what's out there, and what we're being, what we're, what information we're being fed, so that you know and and understand that you can make an, an accurate choice and decision for yourself. And I speak to this because you know I've got a I've got a really um, very different viewpoint in terms of health and uh, you know i've never taken aspirin in my life mm-hmm. and 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 that's a really strange thing to admit to people and people they think well how can you live i had i just had somebody at the dmv tell me how do you live if you don't take aspirin or or some some form see, of thi- see, something? You're,
2: you're talking crazy talk now i don't even know if i yeah. want to go on with this conversation <laughs>
1: You're ready to cut me right off, aren't you? But I mean, you have to really... Like, you just question some of the things that people feed you so that you can make accurate decisions for yourself and empowered decisions for yourself yeah. rather than well, believe everything that you read or hear or see, you know, um, and, and that's what I really respect so much about you, Trent, is that you have this global vision of because you've, because you've been out there and you know that one community or one, one, uh, one place that you visit is really friendlier that's what you said to me when we were speaking uh, oh, before yeah. the interview about the pre-interview one community is nicer than the next and they are well <laughs> they welcome you and they uh, and, yeah. and you said just go experience that and so i want to i want to invite our listeners to be able to say hey look at this and become a leader in your Community, so that you can break through some of the the, the fears that we have and the separate-mindedness that we have about uh, some of these cultures, because they, you know, there's pockets or handfuls of people in any culture that that may uh, cause fear or, or or make you feel disgruntled or whatever. But you got to question these things. Right? Yeah. I
2: a, yeah, I have a great little anecdote. Well, I was doing a. Um, one of the major uh, uh, news networks, global news networks, was having a, a retreat for all of their salespeople through, through Asia, from Pakistan down through Australia all the way up to China and Japan, and they were having this retreat in, in Bangkok, and so they asked me to come and facilitate a program for them. And during the planning phase of this program, I'm you know, speaking with their, their leader there and uh, for, for the Asian sales team. And, uh, the, the program was to happen in February and around Christmas time when we we're having our planning discussions, there were some explosions that had happened in Bangkok. And I, uh, I'd listened to the, the BBC report on it. And the BBC report said something like, you know, there were several explosions in Bangkok. No one was seriously injured. Um, police are investigated or investigating. And then, uh, I watched the, the news on, on this fellow's network, and the, it, the lead was like, bombs tear through the heart of Bangkok, you know, buildings destroyed, and blah, blah, blah. And so I, I mentioned the, the two ways of taking the news, uh, you know, the BBC version versus the version of his network, and he kind of chuckled and he goes, well, that's infotainment.
1: <laughs> that's it, right. And it, keep, and it really does, it keeps look you at hooked, It right?
2: is news packaged as entertainment. And, yes. And the, the stuff that leads, the stuff that's going to create the most viewership and entertainment and, and reinforce the, the, the deeply held beliefs of the viewers that are already watching your channel. So, you know, when, when you see channels going deeper and deeper into a particular viewpoint, it's because they're responding to the needs of the audience they've created.
1: Right, right. And so as I mentioned earlier, question question, right? Yeah. Isn't that isn't that the thing? And, and, and,
2: it doesn't and, matter whether it's Fox or M- MSNBC.
1: <laughs> it do, it really doesn't. It it and and you know, and you have to look at that sensationalized uh viewpoint because in the draw that it creates for to 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 get people to watch, you know, that's yes. really yes. what they're in the business for, right?
2: And they're good at it. I mean, they are they they know what they're doing.
1: Right, exactly. Um I want to talk for a moment about your um, passion around motorcycling. We've got just a couple minutes before our next break um, because you're you're passionate about motorcycling and you've had some wonderful experiences that we'll talk about after the break. Um, Tell me a little bit about that motorcycling and what it has taught you, Trent.
2: Well, it's it's one of those things that, you know, you you talk to another motorcyclist and, and you both kind of get it, right? It's pretty hard to... To, to explain that passion to someone who looks at these things as, as veritable death machines. <laughs> right. But, uh, but for me, it's a couple things. The, the community that, that motorcycling creates, the, 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 the other motorcyclists, especially in sort of the group that I'm involved with, which is more the adventure traveling motorcyclists, people that do large adventure trips around the world for months or even years. Um, and And traveling by motorcycle in and of itself connects you with the local population, like like you know, riding a bus may not, because you you can actually go to the villages, you can you can find remote places where people don't normally travel and and you have the ability to get there relatively quickly, let's say, compared to a bicycle or something like that. Um, you can stop in an instant when you see someone or something that interests you. You don't have to find a parking spot like you might with a car, so there's lots of lots of great advantages to it. And um, yeah, we can talk a little bit more about some of those experiences after the break.
1: Yeah, you you've you've had some wonderful things that you've seen and witnessed. Um, in your worldwide travels as you've been on the motorcycling adventures that you've had so we are going to kind of tease the listeners to say hey you don't want to miss some of the fun adventures that Trent has had so we're talking about global uh, impacting glo- global we- leadership and also about the fun filled adventures of your motorcycling life so you'll want to stay tuned and stick around to listen to the, uh, the final segment of the show so we'll be right back mm-hmm. up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: Do you want to directly impact your business results, improve the quality of your life, learn to empower yourself, or move through roadblocks to create more success for yourself? If so, directly connect with Fee Mazanke at Direct Connect Coaching. Fee is an expert in the field of coaching with over 14 years of experience. Go to www.directconnectcoaching.com to learn more about Fee's empowering programs. Fee works with individuals and delivers keynote messages that are inspiring and uplifting. Experience what Fee has to offer at directconnectcoaching.com.
1: Social media is important to your business, but you might not know how to do it right. Doing social media yourself can be a challenge. I have discovered a company that gets it done for you. They post seven times a week, to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Google+. And they can monitor reviews on over 45 sites at a price any business can afford. Get more information at GetSocialWithFee.com and get your free analysis to determine your company's social media effectiveness. Visit GetSocialWithFee, that's F-I, dot com and find out more today because doing it wrong is worse than not doing it at all. up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: You are tuned in to Direct Connect Empowerment. To reach Fee Mazzanke or her guest on the program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Now back to Direct Connect Empowerment.
1: And we're talking with Trent Schumann today. We're talking about motorcycles and global leadership and, and during the break, the German Santa Claus and all kinds of fun stuff. So, um, so, Trent, let's talk a little bit about the adventures that you've had as a motorcyclist. And again, some of the things that you've learned from your, uh, your travels and your fun-filled adventures uh, on the motorcycles and where you've been.
2: Well, I I guess I I had a passion for motorcycling as a teenager, and then I went to college and ended up doing mostly self-propelled stuff, hiking and mountain biking, canoeing, skiing, that type of thing for many years. And then I was in Thailand and had the opportunity in a a city in the north part of Thailand called Chiang Mai to rent a, a motorcycle for a few days and hooked up with a couple other folks that had rented motorcycles or dirt bikes. And we ended up cruising around all these little back trails in the mountains of northern Thailand, finding all these villages in the hills and so on. And that really uh, rekindled my passion for exploring by, by motorcycle and, and uh, opened my eyes to how it was not just the fun of the riding, but how, the places it can take you and the, the people it can put you into contact with. And so and we, we got into some, some remote villages in the hills where um, trekking companies would bring tourists up for you know a two or three day trek to get there, but we came up the back way that the locals usually use to get back and forth, and and uh, and and hung out with them without necessarily needing to be part of a trek. So that was quite interesting. And then seeing how the locals would put on the show for the trekkers, and then then come back to the other part of the village where we were hanging out with them, and you know take off their tribal garments and stuff, and and sit down and. Play video games on their iPads or something.
1: <laughs> Is that right? So, That's funny. Yeah,
2: it was. It was quite, quite sort of a backstage pass, I guess you could call it. And that, you know, a motorcycle can provide you that. Um, and uh, and so that uh, that led to a, a trip one time where uh, I went to uh, uh, Colombia and uh, a girlfriend of mine from Canada that was actually from Colombia invited me down to. Uh, after Christmas and was going to spend only a couple of weeks there Um, and and in the end we decided to buy a motorcycle and I ended up extending my ticket twice and I was there for two months and we spent uh, two months on a little cheap 200cc Chinese motorcycle riding around the the back roads in Colombia and um, visiting some indigenous folks way up in the mountains Um, and uh, again the surprising thing about Colombia is that you hear all of this uh, you know, tripe on the on on the media about how bad it is and how dangerous it is, and you know, you watch Harrison Ford in Clear and Present Danger, where you get off the plane and you have to have a machine gun cover to protect you from the snipers or whatever. Uh, absolutely not the case at all. in mean, Colombia is you know, millions of people live there and, and live perfectly happy lives and and aren't getting shot in the streets, um, and it's. It you know it had a bad time in the 90s and early 2000s and, and it's it's recovering from that enormously. It's it's uh, it, the economy's good, um, you know the roads are good, the, the the cities are modern. Again, Bogota is over 12 million people. It's a very modern city with an amazing transit system. You know they they close down many of the main thoroughfares on Sundays and just open them to bicycles. Uh, very very progressive, uh, you know. You always, we always think in North America that we've we've got the the solutions for everybody, and that our cities are the models for the world. And when we get to some of these places that we wouldn't expect to be so progressive, it's a real a real eye opener. Um, sure. We were we were traveling at one point um, out in the in the really out in the sticks, and we came across this uh, military roadblock, and we were actually getting into an area where. The, the, the rebels were still somewhat in control and the Army couldn't guarantee the safety, so they had us uh, turn around and go a different way. And, uh, I mean, it would be kind of like, you know, going into a bad neighborhood in any major city in North America and having a local say, oh, you don't really want to go down that road. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And, uh, and uh, it was, uh, he was a lieutenant colonel in the Army and sort of the commander of that local area. And he says, "Give me your cell phone number, and uh, I just want to make sure that you're safe. I'll call you this evening." So we took the other route. And we got to this other town and found a hotel. And then, sure enough, that evening the phone rings, and it's this lieutenant colonel calling us up, making sure we're okay. And for the next two nights in a row, he called us up. And I thought, "Oh my goodness, that is amazing! Just the the, the care and attention that people provide you."
1: That's it great really customer felt like, service.
2: Like we were being. <laughs> you know very well cared for
1: yeah you definitely were and again i think uh, it, just breaking down some of the stereotypes uh you know from your travels east and your travels south and you know your travels all around the world just breaking those down and and what you're suggesting is hey get out there see the world so you can know really the 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 wonderful um, war- the richness and the warmth of the relationships that mm-hmm. you can develop with these people around the world. So that I guess that's an underlying message here that, uh, in terms of impacting global leadership, is to. You know don't believe everything that you hear and go experience it for yourself if you can or experience if you can't do it you know on a global scale experience it locally and um, and and meet people so that you can break down some of those stereotypes that are out there in the world
2: yeah and, and I guess the, the 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 trick is to do it from a point viewpoint of vulnerability so the more you ensconce yourself in in the trappings of Western culture and protection, like if you go on a, a packaged bus tour, for instance, you can easily get through the whole trip without really connecting with the locals. The more chance you have to truly put yourself at the mercy of the locals, the more you will truly get connected. Um, I mean, I've I've seen expats that have lived in foreign countries for five years and still haven't connected they they live in their expat compounds they shop at the same places they belong to the same clubs and and you know god forbid they should actually come in contact with with some of the local culture and it's really sad because it's a i think people maybe do that out of a bit of a sense of trepidation or fear of for themselves um whereas if you just accept that they're people just like you they may eat different or or speak a different language or eat or, or dress differently that that doesn 't mean that there 's anything intimidating about them at all they 're they're, they're just as happy to share their lives with you um, as you might be with them if they come to your country
1: sure, of course it, it, open door kind of a policy mm-hmm. and that's what you that 's what you have experienced in your travels throughout the world which which I really truly uh, enjoy hearing those stories. Uh, I want to switch gears and because and, you've got a great story about a president where the, the, the employees would have done anything for him. And what can you tell us about his leadership and his leadership style, which is really atypical, and the loyalty that he earned from those he worked with? I think people out there who are leaders that maybe are not those uh, charismatic you know, leaders, uh, they, can, they can have an impact too and really make a difference. So can you share that story real quick?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we spoke previously about how in, in a lot of corporations, they tend to promote the people that look like leaders. And this is especially true in publicly held corporations where, you know, they need to look good on the annual report and the, the shareholders need to feel like this is the person that is a good leader um, but what I've also found is in privately held companies, you quite often get CEOs, which are absolutely not what you would consider to be the, the, the stereotypical CEO material. Um, and and you know, privately held companies have their own problems in that sometimes you get people through lineage or in, inheritance that ought not to be the leaders. But sometimes you also get folks that are outstanding and you'd never expect it. So this particular case, it was a... Uh, he was, I believe, the third or fourth generation in the in the company ownership and, and they had asked me to come in and facilitate some workshops and retreats with them and in my interviews with him he he wouldn 't really even look at me in the eye; he would look off to the side and he, he just seemed very uncomfortable and, and, and socially not that um, comfortable a bit awkward and, and this was many years ago before I kind of came to this realization that. Anyone could really have their own leadership style, and I, I, at that that viewpoint, I thought, "Oh, this is odd. How could you know, how could he be the leader of this very successful organization?" And then, as I started working with him, I I began to realize that my goodness, these these people would walk through fire for this guy, and it was because he truly was himself. He was, you know, every, everybody knew him to be not that comfortable in social situations, and yet they, they, they truly loved him um, for that because that, that was just part of who he was, and he wasn't trying to hide it or pretend that wasn't who he was, and, and underneath it all, his authentic, true caring for the, for the people that worked there and for the organization was, was reflected back by the employees to him, too, in, in their loyalty and, and uh, care for the company.
1: And so if you are hearing what Trent is saying, and, and this has been woven throughout this interview, and which I really, I, I, I think this is such an empowered message for the listeners, and that is authenticity and vulnerability, whether you're traveling and, um, and traveling for fun and looking to experience things outside of just kind of a normal bus tour type of a place uh, and opening yourself up to that vulnerability to meet the, the locals and, and experience their culture. And also vulnerability as a leader creates authenticity. And so that, I would say, is probably the key to all of the leadership messages that you, uh, you know, the underlying key to all the leadership messages that you uh, are delivering, Yes.
2: Wow, you've wrapped it up in a way that I've been trying to for ages.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess it's called uh, I listen well, all right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I want to make sure before we close that our listeners can reach you for your services, and I want to make sure that we... Uh, our listeners know how to reach you for your services and where you uh, can be of service because you're a global guy. So uh, no, I'm a global guy. Yeah, that. I guess yeah. so. <laughs> yes.
2: Well, probably the easiest place is is through the website. Um, uh, it's called experienza.com. And that's just the word experience. But instead of an E at the end, you put an A at the end. So it's experienza.com. And, uh, and I'll, I'll likely be the one that answers the phone. So, um, I, I, uh, And I, I provide services around the world ranging from what you might call uh, team fun and bonding and, and connection programs right through to in-depth retreats and facilitation, conflict resolution. Uh, and I've got a, a, an awesome... Awesome network of folks that I that I draw from as well. If there's some real specific things like board governance or negotiation, um, um, you know, hiring, that type of thing. So, so there's a it's a it's a truly I guess a 20 21st century organization in that it's very flexible and uh, whatever is needed to solve the problem or bring a organization to the next level is. Is is the type of resources that I'll then bring in. So,
1: wonderful and and you offer the personal touch as you said. You'll you'll be the one that's most likely answering the phone. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. In, a, in addition to the vast uh, resources that you have and connections that you have, it's also very personalized. Well, yeah, thank exactly. you, Trent. I mean, you have offered to myself and the listening audience um, a, a, a tremendous gift today about. Really understanding that the the importance in this century of you know really the vulnerability and authenticity aspect of living because it really does make a, a big difference in in not only in in work life but also in life in general. So, um, what a wonderful gift! Thank you very much for being a part of the show today.
2: Uh, I'm glad I could share it.
1: Yes, and I do want to mention to all of you that we are reformatting the Direct Connect Coaching brand for 2016 and this includes a brand new multimedia approach which we're currently working out the details of um, and so I've got a professional video series with coaching tips along with continued interviews with very fascinating people just like Trent uh, to bring the newest trends on empowerment to the world so stay tuned and uh, tune in to directconnectcoaching.com for the details on this very exciting facelift that's in store for the new year and to our men and women who are serving for all of the countries around the world. um, And, and especially those who may not be with their families during the holidays, we send our love, peace, and gratitude to you for your service and to the incredible loyal listeners of direct connect empowerment. I give you thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for the exciting year end wrap up uh, for the show. And I wish all of you a very wonderful, wonderful Christmas and a very inspired week. Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: Thank you again for joining us this week on Direct Connect Empowerment. Team Mazanke will be back with another guest next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll see you then.